Good morning, everybody. It is such a lovely morning. I'm sitting out in front of this small stream in Arnold, California. Pine trees, I mean, redwood trees all around me, ferns, a little stream, broken branches. It's just epic. I mean, the sounds, the birds, everything. So it's just sitting here enjoying that and taking a moment with my dog, Marley, and trying to reflect on how grateful I am for this journey and the outcome because it could have been so different. I think about it all the time, the choices that we make. And when I was talking to the children, I always used to say, it's not if, it's when. So when I got my sight back. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of backstory. I started volunteering at a young age with handicapped children, adults. My aunt had Down syndrome. She's since now passed on, her name was Bonnie. And when I was a kid, I had no idea that she was different than I was, right? And so it was my mom's aunt and she was always around and she loved a bowl. She had this deck of cards that was always worn out. And I was probably like maybe five, six, seven, you know, when I really found out, you know, that she was different than me. And I used to um, not make fun of her, but like razz her, right? I'd be in the back seat of the station wagon, no seatbelts then, you know. And I would poke her, you know, in the shoulder or whatever to get her attention. Or I'd take uh, one of her cards and I wouldn't give it back. Uh, Just almost like sibling type stuff. And then I realized, like, oh, she is different, right? I went to a dance um, one time. I chaperoned it. Not chaperoned it, but I attended it with a chaperone and kind of saw what it was all about and where they were from, what kind of activities they did. And it really opened up my eyes to that world and that perspective. And I think it's so true when people say, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. They just can't relate, right? So unless you've gone through it physically, we can say, I can empathize with you, but you really truly don't know, I think, what it means, right? Unless you have some type of experience with that. So anyway, that was my really first experience with um, somebody that had difficulty learning, she had Down syndrome, and uh, had difficulty communicating, right? And so I just thought it was fascinating that I could make her interested in what I was doing or... um, you know, have some parts in her helping her, right? So that led me to volunteering at a young age. And then I got a job, my first job in a classroom. And I just really loved it. I had training with autism. And again, I was very fortunate to know early what I wanted to do. So once I um, graduated college, I knew that I wanted to come to San Diego because that was the mecca for the new development of behavior modification with working with autistic kids. So anyway, so I did that for, um, you know, a few years and I was really good at it and I loved it. Fast forward, um, to towards the end of my, um, career as an independent contractor. Now we have people that come already trained as a part of the staff at the school, if that makes sense. Back in the day when I first started, we were employed at a company at a one-on-one behavioral specialist company and you either went to their house or you went to a school and you were there one-on-one if they needed it or backup or any type of support that they might need, you know, for the, or for the teacher, you know, or modeling as well. And so that's what I did and I loved it. And at all an array of clients, you know, all over town. So, but I had an accident and it was at a school site and it was a child that was non couldn't communicate 
and it was very, very frustrating, had high behaviors because of it, because he just wasn't understood. And the teachers really didn't understand it at that time. So this was early on in my career. So I was distracted. I was at a table with him. Somebody went to hand me some papers. I turned my head and I was punched and detached my retina. <clears throat> and I didn't know it at the time. So I finished my, you know, I made an incident report, whatever. And he was in the sixth grade. He was probably maybe five, my height, you know, maybe a little taller, five, six, five, five. And, um, and there was only me and him and another person that was kind of walking by that really didn't see it. And the person who was handing me the papers. I had to go to the hospital right away. As I was driving home, my vision started to change. Um, my eye was half uh, kind of uh, blackish gray where I couldn't see out of it. And then the other half was my vision. So it was very strange. It was very prominent what I saw. So I went to the emergency room. They said I had a detached retina. I had to be rushed into surgery, yada, yada. It's pretty young. I had no children then. Wasn't married. So it took me, you know, quite a few months to recover. I had uh, surgeries to fix it. Um, and it was, it was all new to me, you know what I mean? And I didn't think anything of it because I had another good peeper. I have poor vision anyway. So I wear contacts or glasses when I drive, like negative, you know, 2.75. Anyway, random stuff. So as I went on in my career I started at a school so I finished up at a school and I got married I had my children life goes on you I had very poor vision after all my surgeries and everything went on um, that student moved on elsewhere and like I said life went on so then all of a sudden I'm getting my hair done and the same type of vision issue is coming over my right eye and now I'm saying oh my god this, this can't be right so now I have a detached retina in my right eye, but no trauma. So I go right away. I knew what was happening. I went right away to the hospital and they said, yep, sure enough. She says that you have so many holes in your retina that I can't even count them. So what was happening is that my retina was deteriorating. And as the holes were getting bigger, right, they were joining each other and making it larger and wearing through my retina. So my retina was completely detached. They had to reattach it. And they had a really difficult time doing that. They put oil, they put gas in your eye first. You have to wear all these bands. You can't travel a certain way. You have to be face down. It's really a lot involved. There's a lot of eye drops. So now you have to remember, I don't know if I shared, but I'm separated, two children. I've got a big girl job, you know, 40 hours a week, and then two part-time gigs, right? And running my life by myself, you know, really adulting. And now it just stops. So now I'm completely blind, face down, and really at a place in my life where I needed any type of support I could have. And it was just me and the kids. And I had friends and things like that, and a neighbor, and a girl that drove, a neighbor drove me to a couple of my eye appointments. But my dad ultimately moved into my house um, and helped me facilitate what I needed to go, what I needed to get done, you know. And that was life saving for me. So I did all that. I signed up for every program, which I was proud to do. It was a very difficult process. Um, they didn't make it easy. There was a lot of ups and downs. And you have to remember, I'm face down going through this blind. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't know what's going to happen. So as surgery goes on, things aren't going well. My lens deteriorates. We have to have another surgery for that. They end up having to put um, oil in my eye, which is another surgery in itself. And then when my lens deteriorated, I had to go back in and, and they had to get those pieces out then they, you have to take the gas out or the oil out and some of the remnants are left over. So it was a lot of process. But through this all, I just wanted to have 
two things go on. My children be in the same house and at the same school, something consistent that they could relate to, right? That they knew was going to be consistent in their life. And I used to tell them as I was going through this, I can't control this. There's certain things you can control in life and some things you can't control in life. And this is one of those times I couldn't eat any better. I couldn't exercise any better. Right. I just had to just keep going and have a situation where I didn't know the outcome, but I had to be strong for these two children that were looking up to me. They're watching me, right? Seeing how I'm reacting during this time. And it was very organic how it evolved. So anyway, my friend came to me and she says, you know, I know you believe in God and all these things, but I think you need to learn what it means to meditate and to channel that positive energy. And I needed all of it, right? So she told me, you know, I'm going to put 108 beads in a bowl and you're going to string these and put knots in it. And I just thought, what? You know, again, cannot see. I have to be face down. I can't lift my head up, you know. And when I say I'm in that position, I have to be in that position, right? So it heals. If you don't, then your eye won't heal, right? You're putting that pressure down when you're face down, that gravity, right? So it, it took me, you know, I don't know, I don't know, three months to do knotting it. And it was all funky, you know, between knots. It was, you know, maybe two inches to two feet, right? But I did it and I started to put my intentions into each bead. Amala is made up of 108 beads. It's held together. You can have knots or no knots. And there's a guru bead, which is a 109th bead, and that holds all your prayers and your intentions. So as you wear it, it's supposed to manifest that guru bead as you put your prayers and your intentions and mantras into each bead. So that's what I began to do and just really shifted, you know, it's not if, it's when, and if I'm going to be blind, let's do this, right? What does that look like? So finally it came to the last surgery and they said, listen, we're not going to do any surgery if it doesn't come you know, and you can't really have any functioning sight. I'm going to have to take your license, you know, and things are going to have to change. Um, so that was like, oh, wow, that your freedom driving. And I, people do it all the time, I guess, you know, with no license. But when you have two small kids, activities, it really does change a lot in your life. You know, I hate to say it, it doesn't, it's easier, right? It's more convenient. So... We go through this and I'm sitting in the office in the chair. My daughter has like Goldilocks hair, like down to her fanny, you know, really long hair, prominent hair. She's nine and I'm sitting in this chair and she goes, okay, I'm going to check you. And, and I couldn't see what she needed me to see. And she goes, I'm going to have to, you know, we're going to have to talk about your driving, right? Cause I don't have any depth perception anymore. That's really hard now. You know, like right now I still bump into things. I trip over things. I've fallen downstairs, fallen upstairs, tripped. Uh, really difficult because I just can't see the difference in the cracks, you know, or in a sidewalk or bumps or whatever, maybe stairs. So I said, okay, please, please just check me one more time. You know what I mean? And, um, sometimes you get a fog, you know, when you have a detetrit and it's coming back, right? You have all these drops and things like that. And it just takes time. And especially when you keep having setbacks, it'll take a longer time. So I had to retest me and all of a sudden, I see this like pinhole of light and I see a glimpse of Maddie's hair and I was like, Oh, you know, and I just saw it and it got bigger from there and it was just a really great moment. Right. And it's one of those things where it was really empowering and it made me a stronger person. And so through this time, you know, I was always a crafty person. So after I made one mala, I made a couple more malas and you're supposed to be gifted a mala. And so I started gifting them to people and everybody's like, oh, these are really good. You know, you should think about, you know, maybe selling them. And I just couldn't bring myself to do that because it was really important 
of what that represented to me. And I wanted it to be the same importance to other people and, and love it as much as I did. So I would gift it to people so they wouldn't have, I guess, the opportunity. One, it was a gesture, but two, they wouldn't have an opportunity to be like, oh, you know, I don't like it, you know, because it's a gift, I guess. I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, my designs totally grew. I don't have any design experience, but it just really evolved organically. And I feel so grateful. So I did bracelets. I came up to my dad's one time and I made a whole bunch and they were going to go into my friend's boutique that she was opening up. It kind of fell through. I got them all back. Right. And I was really enjoying the process and the thrill of like people really digging them. And, uh, we got them back and my, my man said, you know, through this time too, I fell in love, you know, it was really great, very organically as well. And so my man runs farmer's markets and he's like, what do you think about maybe putting up a table? I said, okay, you know, whatever. And I was like, maybe 20 bucks a piece. You know, I didn't want to gouge anybody, but I still wanted them to dig it. And I still wanted people to, it to bring joy to people. Right. And being in that community and that vibe was so epic. I just love ocean beach, California. So I put up a little table. I mean, literally, it was like a dinner tray. It was oval-sized dinner tray. And I had um, a stand that my dad made for me. And that was it. And a couple dishes with some bracelets in it. I made like four malas and um, gave them all away. <laughs> Excuse me. And it went from there. Two weeks later, Richu always said he's been running it, you know, for maybe, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 years through farmer's markets. And did been it around a lot longer than that, too. Like, been attending them, you know. And he says, you never know who's going to walk around the corner. And so my goodness, <laughs> this guy walks around the corner and he picks up, he starts going through my lava, you know, diffuser bracelets and he picks up, you know, five or six of them. And he's like, we're doing this. And, um, I said, that's awesome. You know, I got all excited and he was an Australian guy and a little older and, and he goes, so I'll take these. And I said, okay. And he tells me a little bit about that. And he's a, wa- he's got a watch company and, and, uh, he goes, what are you doing here? And I was like, what do you mean? It kind of took me back. And I said, I'm just doing my thing. You know what I mean? This is what I do by day. And I mean, you know, and this is my kind of new gig, you know, I'm super excited about it. And he was just flabbergasted by my story, you know? And he goes, you know, I'd really like to meet with you. And I was like, who's this dude? Right. And, um, and so Richie kind of lent, lent an ear, you know, about what he was saying. And sure enough, I had a meeting with him and it really changed my life. You know, they offered me a position and that was really crazy how that happened as well. I had a lot of stuff going on and I almost said, you know, I, I can't do it because I'm not doing a lot of things well right now. So I was going to take original grain off my list as odd as that sounds. And the guy, Paul was like, you know, I really think you need to rethink what you just said. And I said, but I really don't want to do you a, you know, disservice, right? I want to do well for you, but I don't know if I can put that attention to it. So I need more time. And he says, well, what can I do to make it easier for you? And when you work with uh, the clients that I work with, you can't just bounce, right? You have to have transition. You have to have timing. You have to have that right person that you can transition over to. So it's easier for them. That's what we do this for, right? And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you're not going to find that person right away. So anyway, so I said, um, I don't know what it would take, right? I, I didn't expect that coming from him. And so he says, well, what are your bills a month? I mean, I mean, he goes, he goes, what would, what would you need a month? Right. And so in my mind, I thought about how much my bills were <laughs> a month. And so I was like, Oh, 1685 or something like that. You know, I just, and he, and, and he goes, Oh my gosh, he goes, you cannot ask me that amount. Right. And he kind of laughed at me and I, and I just really didn't know where I was at. I didn't know what kind of arena I was at, what, what, what a designer made, you know, what I was worth, any of those things. Right. But I knew what I made a year. And I think it was like, I don't know, 
uh, man, I don't even know what I made a year, like 19,000 a year, right? Maybe, maybe 20,000 a year at the school with full benefits with the kids, you know, and I loved it. They had childcare and whatnot. So I wasn't complaining, but it's just what I knew. Um, but I still had to have other jobs to supplement it. So he goes, well, I'm going to write something down on a piece of paper and, um, and, uh, you tell me what, what you think. And he wrote down, uh, $65,000. <laughs> and needless to say, I started crying, you know, and this is right after Thanksgiving, right before Christmas. And I remember him handing me an envelope and he said, this is what we're going to do. He goes, we're going to do a trial run of a month and you're going to bring me all the designs you need. Right. And then we're going to see how they, how well they pair with the watches. Cause that's what I was hired to do. Design bracelets to match the watches, to accent them, right. Not to, to distract. And so that's what I started doing. And it was really amazing. I mean, and so I worked for them for like 10 months. I met all kinds of cool people. I was able to get a branding strip and charm, you know, with my name on it. So, and the rest is history. So I've been designing ever since and uh, kind of bootstrapping things along the way. And I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm trying to dip into all the social media platforms on Twitter, you know, Instagram, Instagram business, Facebook, Facebook business, all those kind of things. So please go check it out. And if it's not me that you're supporting, go support local. Please, please, please. All the small businesses out there need your support and love for you to reach out. Custom designs, that's what we do. So anyway, until next time, I just, I'm so glad that you guys tuned in to my little um, slice of the world here. I hope you are well and take care. Talk to you soon.